Welcome to From the Back Tees, a podcast where we tee it up from the back every week. Welcome to the From the Back Tees podcast. We're back after a couple of weeks off. Today's Wednesday, September 22nd. It's obviously Ryder Cup week, but before we get started, just want to let everyone know we're brought to you by Ghost Golf. They're our new partner. Well, they're not our new partner anymore. I don't know why I have that written. They're our partner who specializes in golf accessories and clothing. They've developed a magnetic towel, which will soon become your seven irons best friend and your greenside caddy. Ghost Golf is an innovative company when it comes to golf accessories, just recently releasing their any day golf bag and have anything from hats to golf tees for your needs. Check them out at ghostgolf.com and sign up today to receive their newsletter and be up to date on their newest releases and golf news. No one, I think you got some uh, Ghost Golf stuff. I did, yeah. Um, we actually did a giveaway, so appreciate I see you it guys. On the gram. Yeah, it's uh, it's great stuff. Um, we'll see if we can keep doing some giveaways. Um, maybe we'll do a pod specific giveaway sometime in the near future. But uh, I mean, high quality stuff. I mean, it's it's everything that you would think a top tier golf apparel company would be putting out. So. Nothing but good things to say about Ghost Golf. Everything you could dream of it to be. But, fellas, this is a big week, Ryder Cup week. It's much bigger for you guys than for me. I, the other day I was in the car with my dad. I was explaining to him how Canada is just not a part of it. And as I explained it, it does seem very rude. Like, we're just excluded from these events. Well, as I, I was going to ask you, do you get more enjoyment out of watching the President's Cup than the Ryder Cup? I, uh, I know the Ryder Cup's a bigger rivalry. You know I mean? Maybe, uh, maybe a more like casual golf fan does. I think because I'm just so involved with like the golf world and keeping up with all like the American guys and international. I like the Ryder Cup more because it's obviously more intense. I feel like for Americans, yeah. you guys prefer the Ryder Cup much more than the President. Oh, dude, I, I think if you ask 99 people out of 100, maybe even 100 out of 100 here in, in the U.S. would prefer golfers would prefer the Ryder Cup out over the President's Cup. But, that's, again, that's just because of the, the history. And, and I think that Europe produces a bigger threat to the U.S. typically. I mean, I know the U.S. has been beaten both a bunch, obviously. But if you go in into looking at matchups and stuff, Europe produces a bigger threat. Yeah, it, it is crazy to me, though. Like, it's just sad Canada's not in it. Now we have some good golfers, too, out there. Got some more coming up as well. Let's be, I, let's be honest that – before we get away, the U.S. and Europe, I mean, the U.S. is a thing because a bunch of people decided to leave Europe, right? So like, yeah. There is a long, <laughs> a long threaded history of why Americans and Europeans clash, probably. So um, We'll get into it. We'll get into it later. But I have a statistic here that I kind of went in and did some math on myself that's pretty uh, – it's hard to believe. We'll, we'll go get there in a little bit. Ago. Would you say it's more or less believable than there being a hundred thousand hotels in Vegas? No, that that's believable. That's believable. <laughs> Just all stacked right next to each other, like the same. Hey, hey, that's including all the Airbnbs too. You know, one one room rentals. Fine, you know? <laughs> <Stick> with it. <laughs> but this week, whistling straights. Big golf course. I don't know if either of you guys have ever played there. I have not. It's a no, my, I know someone who's played there. Um, it It is beautiful. It is brutal. It is all the things. Um, you know, Wisconsin is kind of a – people don't really think of it that much for its golf, but it's a big time. They've got a lot of great courses out there is what I've continually heard in Whistling Straits is obviously one of those. Dude, Sheboygan, Wisconsin, which is the town that's in, um, I have a couple uh, buddies of mine that actually go there in the summer to uh, to club caddy at Whistling Straits. Um, Sheboygan, Wisconsin, and then the surrounding area has some pretty good golf courses. It's a lot like, um, say, eastern Colorado. Eastern Colorado has a lot of hidden gems that people just don't really know about or hear about that you know, half, I shouldn't say half the year, but four months out of the year are covered in snow. Um, you know, and that's, 
some of the reason why you don't hear about them as much because people aren't traveling there as much because in the winter they people go south to florida arizona or california or whatever but dude yeah whistling straights man i mean for a championship golf course it's it's pretty freaking cool and it's uh special that the Ryder cups can be there this year yeah so before we get into the specifics what we think the pairings are i'm just going to run down the teams for everyone so everyone listening knows we'll do it in order of the world golf rankings for the u.s so we got dj morikawa Cantley, xander and jt bryson finau brooks harris english which was a bit of a surprise pick jordan speed Daniel Berger and Scotty Scheffler. So what do you guys think of the U.S. team? You think they made good picks? You think they're going to complement each other? So I said I did a little bit of math earlier. Um, I know we haven't gotten quite to the European team yet. But if you add up all of the official world golf rankings and you take all of them, add them up, and you get a sum for both teams, the Americans sit at a total world golf ranking of 107, and the Europeans sit at a total total world golf ranking of 370. I was gonna say, I bet Europe's like at least double, maybe triple. And so listen, yeah. listen to this. Europe has our. Right, the USA's worst-ranked player right now is Scotty Scheffler at 21, okay? Europe has, I believe, let's see, one, two, three, four people that are better than our – on the official world golf rankings that are better than Scotty Scheffler at 21 in the world. That's pretty crazy to think about. That's Rom. Um, who else? Is Fleetwood? Rom Hovland, uh, Rory. Uh, Hatton. No, not Rory. Oh yeah, yeah. Rom, Hovland, Rory, and uh, Hatton. And Hatton, yeah. Pretty crazy to think about when you think about it that way. Yeah, but somehow they find a way to compete every single year. This, I mean, Zach, you're asking what we think about him. This is the best average official world golf ranking team in Ryder Cup history that the U.S. is rolling out there. Um, and they didn't even really go chalk necessarily with the Scotty Scheffler pick. I think Harris was, um, you know, a pick based on what he's accomplished over the past year, year and a half, um, kind of rewarding him for that. He's played some really good golf. Um, and it's good to get some new guys in there, obviously, because I think the U.S. wants new guys, being the fact that we've lost <laughs> quite a quite a few. Is it three in a row or two in a row? I know it's at least two. I think it's three of the last four. Three yeah. of the last four. Think about it this way. How old is the oldest player on the U.S.? I mean, it's got to be DJ, right? DJ. DJ's the oldest, yeah. He's 30. 30- Five, thirty-six, thirty-seven. I mean, look at look at Paul Casey, or look at Poulter, or you know Hatton. I think is up there too, and, he, and Hatton's probably mid thirties. But yeah, man, it's just and you know the the Europe just seems to. The, I think the U.S. competes more off talent. I think Europe competes more off energy and feeding off each other and coming together as a team. If that makes sense. Yeah, that's kind of been the the stigma, I think, over the years is Europe is just better at pairing people together and putting together a team, and the U.S. can't figure out figure it out. And I don't know. I think, to me, you, you roll out your best players and you see what they can do. Like, it's golf. Like, go out there and golf. Um, if someone wants to take the stance of it being a – a big team event and that matters that much, then that's fine. But I, I can't argue against putting your best horses out there and putting your most talented guys out there. Um, you know, if, if Harris was playing like terrible, I mean, he hasn't been playing great like he was because of the, the Ryder Cup kind of standings is a little bit skewed still to where you could play really well like a year and a half ago and then you can kind of fall off a little. But 
no one's playing like bad on the U.S. team necessarily right now. Um, sometimes that comes into play of timing of when guys are playing good and bad. Uh, I don't. I mean, besides a couple of guys on the right on the European side, like no one's like on fire besides you know a couple of them. So there's no reason why the U.S. shouldn't win, but we'll we'll talk about it when the time comes. Yeah, I have some interesting takes maybe for what the U.S. should do, but. I think you're right on who they pick. They should just go with the best guys. Obviously, people are going to say, yeah, like you said, Europe seems to find a way to win even though they're not the better players. It's also a pretty small sample size. They're not playing uh, a full season's worth of tournaments. It's just a couple couple rounds, basically, at most five rounds for a player. Europe still has the best player in the world going into this, John Rahm. So I think it will be close. I think the U.S. will win. That's my early take. Spoiler alert. But, uh, Reed, do you have any closing thoughts on this team? Or any, or do you guys have anyone you think should have been put on the team that wasn't? Because I think they were pretty spot on here with their pick. Um, if I have to be honest, I think, I think Europe could have made some mistakes, honestly. Like, I don't think Poulter – like, I'm sorry. I don't think Poulter should be on this team. Like, I think he should be playing – People are obsessed with the match play. I get it. Like – I don't know. He's not. He's not. Yeah, but I mean, that's right. like saying, that's like saying, and I mean, this is hypothetical. In five or six years, Tiger gets back to healthy, and but he's just so good at match play and so good at bringing a team together. You wouldn't want him on the team. Because I, mean, I mean, I don't know. Like I wouldn't team forever. I think that's a little different. You're talking about the goat, <laughs> but. I think it's like talking about Phil, why Phil's not on this, this year's team, like for the U.S. side. Like Phil is one of the greatest players in a generation, and he even won this. He won a major, and the U.S. isn't taking him, but the Europe's, European side is taking Poulter. And, you know, it could just be a fat egg in my face when Poulter goes like 2-0-1 or whatever. But um, I, don't, I don't see him playing that many – maybe he'll – play one team event and then a singles event or something. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. But I, I just think – I think when – I mean, the U.S. is a little luckier in the sense of they can – they have a lot of the top guys to pick from. I think when you're putting together a European team, you want – you're going to want someone who's going to put together, you know, some energy and some positive stigma who has been there time and time and time and time again. Do you think – do you guys think – Stricker would have got a lot of flack if he put Phil on the team. Yeah. Instead, instead I, don't, of, I don't think so because the guy's been there and done that so many friggin' well, times. He's still not playing that well. He played well for the one tournament, and it's like – it's all a lot about, like, timing. I'm a big, like, analytics stats guy. I think a lot more – obviously, he's going to play well at the majors, or it's more likely he'll play well at the majors. He has the mental abilities there. But the whole season, he has not been playing well. That's just a fact. He hasn't been hitting anything well. No, I mean, it's true, but I, it's just, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. It's hard to, I guess it's but, a I, mean, I, I think the European team has done this strategy in the past, and it's worked in the past, so I don't blame them at all for sticking to it. But maybe they're, I don't know. We'll see how everything plays out. And I guarantee if the European team loses, especially if they lose badly, it'll be because they didn't go out and put their top guys out there. Yeah, so let's go to the European team. Obviously, starts with world number one, John Rahm. Then we got the three guys who are ranked above Scheffler, Victor Hovland, Rory McIlroy, Terrell Hatton. Then you get down to the rest of the team. Still great players. Paul Casey, Matthew Fitzpatrick, Lee Westwood, Tommy Fleetwood, Shane Lowry, Sergio Poulter, and Bernd Liesberger, the lowest-ranked player in the event. A little surprising to see him in it, that he would be the guy they pick. But he's a pretty good all-around player, and who knows? Guys have surprised us before. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know much about him, but – About Burned? <laughs> yeah. Name. For sure. I mean, Weisberger is one that – I mean, the guy – Knows how to play. It's like Lowry. Like Lowry is kind of like a, like a, 
Harris English, if you will, a little bit, where he's played well in the beginning of the Ryder Cup points, and you know he's put some good finishes in here, you know, there and here and there, but it hasn't really been a you know, for lack of better terms, Patrick Cantlay of the world. You know what I mean? Yeah, so. I, I think there's some really good players on this team that they're they're all grinders out there, like Lowry, Casey, uh, Poulter, Fitzpatrick, Case, like all these guys. They're grinders. They're not going to make it easy on even these best guys. They're not going to blow up for 18 holes. Like these are guys that shoot three under in a round and make four birdies in a bogey. And that's pretty tough to beat, especially in these conditions. But uh, we'll get to the pairings after. But any closing thoughts on the European team, if they should have taken someone else? Uh, do you think they stand a chance against the Americans? Yeah, I think, I think there was three, in my eyes, three big snubs on the European side, potentially. Um, one being, you know, if they wanted an experienced guy um, who's probably playing a little better than – um, some of the other guys is Justin Rose. Um, the other two kind of being guys who are just straight up better golfers. And that's Alex Noren and that's Victor Perez. Victor Perez was um, actually ahead of Victor Hovland in one of the Ryder Cup standings. Um, and we all know how good Victor Hovland is. He belongs on that team. So. Was it Victor Perez or Antoine Rosner who did well in the match play, the WGC? Um, I think it was Rosner, was not. Oh, maybe. Yeah. But, but they, they, maybe. they both had they, both of those players had stands of three, four, five events in a row. They played really well. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that's my take. And, you know, we'll see the again. We'll see. I mean, the U.S. should be favored, but they probably are just hairline fracture favored over uh, the European team, even though on paper they're so much better. Yeah, I bet I mean, you. I bet you that's. I bet you they're two to one. They're three to one. I bet you. They're. I think they're like just minus. over two to one. Really? But those You're are also American sports books I'm looking at. Right. Yeah. But I think you made a great point. I mean, Norin. I could see being on it. He hasn't been playing great golf. I for sure would also have taken him over Wiesberger, but Justin Rose seems like a no-brainer. How does Burned Wiesberger get picked over Justin Rose? No hate to Wiesberger, but Rose has proven it time and time again how good he could be. He was the number one player in the world not that long ago, and he's finally starting to get back into shape. I saw, I think, three of his last four top ten finishes have all been at majors, so it's like he's shown up for big events. And he could obviously handle it. Yeah. I, I think that might have been a swing and a miss right there, for sure. I mean, I would have taken Rose over Poulter. I would have probably – I would have probably taken him over Westwood even. Westwood no has been great at the start of no the year. Way, Westwood, Westwood's the steady Eddie that you want on the team. I, I have a soft spot for Justin Rose, though. The guy winked at me. Uh, <laughs> give, give you, did he give you a little nubby, Zach? Ah, we can only wish. <laughs> I saw I saw this I saw this crazy stat um from the European side that Sergio Garcia has more points in Ryder Cups than the entire US team combined. Crazy. <laughs> this is Sergio's tenth Ryder Cup, so that is crazy. <laughs> There's a lot of experience on that side, so I mean in golf as we know, is an ageless sport. So um, the U.S. guys are going to have to show up. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think you said it perfectly. A lot of experience on the European side. It's the same story over and over again. They put, like, the same type of team out there. Then the U.S. finds a way to lose. Mm -hmm. But let's get to pairing. So we don't know the exact pairings now. It's Wednesday night when we're recording. Tomorrow morning we should have a better idea of who's going to be out there. But you're still not going to really know until Friday morning when the first groups come out because those 16 guys out Friday morning are the only ones who are going to be able to play all five rounds. I mean, there's some obvious guys who will play all five, especially on the European side. I think Rom and Rory are basically locks to play all five. On the U.S. side, I don't think there's any locks. But one team that seems very likely to be together, 
good chance to play all five rounds is Spieth and uh, Justin Thomas. Yeah. Outside, I, of that, I, outside of that, I don't know. What, what are your guys' thoughts? I, I, think there's, I think there's maybe like three, three kind of locked-in pairings. Um, one may be more of a rumor, um, but they've played together in a lot of practice rounds. So you got the Spieth and JT, um, Xander and Cantley are, you know, one of the bright spots from uh, France. Um, they played great there, and they're just their game complements each other. They're just both. They have no flaws, you know. Um, and then I saw a lot of Colin Murakawa and Dustin Johnson talk. Um, for another you know, part of that too that seems and to be like I, I, I think care what, go ahead go ahead on i was gonna say and then i think we're guaranteed to not see a bryson dechambeau and brooks Kepka. Uh, that's where i was going i don't care what fucking people say i want to see them together that pairing would be fucking dynamic to see them i think they'd be up. good together too because there's so much pressure on them hating each other they'd be like you know what maybe we should actually just play well and shut everyone up Dude, i think i think they wouldn't say a whole fucking like, one would make, like, a 50-footer for birdie or something to win the hole, and the other one would just turn in the back and just walk away. It'd be fucking hilarious. Yeah. That's what and we need. Brooks, Brooks does say the slow play of Dejambeau does piss him off, though. Like, and that's something that he would have to deal with during the round, which is probably just not a good idea. Yeah, we've seen worse. <laughs> I mean, fuck. You got Kevin Na the world, or the old Sergio Garcia that takes his – you know, flinches his grip 69 and a half times. I won't say 69 because that's a, that's a very sexual number. So we'll go 69 and a half times. A PG podcast thing. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think those those six guys, though, for the U.S. should be playing every match. Um, yeah. So a thing I wanted to ask you guys, I think a big mistake these teams make is not putting guys out there for more rounds. I would put, like, most of my team out there for five rounds and have a couple guys who would play, like, once or twice. Yeah. Just like, there is something to be said about that. Like, after you hit a – go play a, a – you know, maybe a hole that, you know, doesn't fit your eye three or four times, maybe on the fifth time through or something, and you finally figure a ball out or something that works for you that wins you the hole that makes a difference in the match or something. There's something to be said about that. Exactly. And you can't tell me these guys can't play – 36 holes back-to-back days without being like without getting tired like of course they can yeah it's a lot dude yeah but they're professional golfers they they it doesn't matter that means that means they're good at what they do not good at what they do playing a lot though no that's true but you see it in the match play they do it well yeah but i mean that's on yeah i don't know that's i think part of it i think part of that is the a bit of the captain's touch you know if a guy goes out or a team goes out right and they win like five and four or six six and five or whatever they get they get out of there early and they're hot and might as well leave them for the next um the next round the next wave of tea times or whatever um but if if they're going a full 18 holes um and maybe they barely squeaked it out and it's a really mentally exhausting round maybe they change it up so yeah, I agree with that. So I think those three, let's say those three start off Friday morning. The big question mark is Bryson and who's going to be with Bryson. We saw him practice with Scotty Scheffler, which surprised me. My prediction was we were going to see him with Harris English or Daniel Berger. But it seems like maybe Scotty Scheffler is going to get first dibs. I think a lot of guys want to get out with him. What do you two think? Who's your prediction? Dude, if I, was a, if I was a player on that team, I would want to go play with DeChambeau in a best ball, dude. He, who gives a fuck? He makes the eight on a hole. He's going to take some lines that no one else can. Yeah, I would. I would love. To, yeah, if I was, if I was any of those, those guys who aren't potentially paired up already, I'd be like, yeah, put me with Bryson. I'd love that. I mean, let's be honest. You're already a step above, and he like just like he is at every golf tournament for the most part that he plays of being able to hit it as far as he does. Man, he can take. He can look at lines of covering bunkers and having flip wedges into holes on uh, where other people have to lay it up to a corner. I mean, it's if fucking... I had to take if I had to take a guess on some of the other pairings, I would go Bryson and English. I would go Scheffler and Kepka, and I would go Berger and Finau. What about Xander? Xander's with Cantley. Right. That's right. Yeah. 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 I'm like. I mean, maybe he'll play with someone else, but I, I'm like 
90 Dude, look at that. Look at that. Dude, they're four and five in the world. Put together a better fucking duo than that. Yeah, they're rock solid. So, I, that's a – dude, the U.S. better win. <laughs> so, so, what do you guys think, though, in terms of uh, what, what the U.S. has to do to win? You think they stick with consistency, keeping the same guys together? Or you think they should try and switch it up more? Like, I think if Bryson does well, sticking back with Bryson, they're going to keep him with the same guy. But they'll just keep giving him a shot with a different guy. Um, I think they have to be winning going into Sunday. That's Yeah, I would agree. I almost guarantee they have to be winning going into Sunday or else, I mean, we saw it at Medina. They were, they were right there and let it slip away. So um, a lot of – there's a couple players that were at Medina, maybe only like, gosh, maybe – JT, Spieth, and DJ might have been, like, the only ones at Medina for the U.S. squad. Um, but I know that that haunts them so much. That's, I mean, so that's my, that's my take is they got to be winning going into Sunday unless it's, it's a comeback victory, which is also very possible. You get down to singles and it's just – who's better and you'd think again the u.s would have the upper hand in every single match almost besides like three matches so yeah they they have a huge edge so in the singles uh let's get right to it on on yeah on sunday they're gonna play 12 singles matches everyone has to play we've seen different strategies implemented here's my bold strategy that i would implement i would just give up on the for top four guys on Europe, or not give up, but I have the top four of Europe play the bottom four of the U.S., who they perceive as the bottom four. You hope to win one, hope to win two, and then you just stack the other eight. Then you have a huge edge in the other eight. What do you think? Right. Bold move. Well, but the thing is, is it's going to be the Europe's going to have to put their lineup out, out first. Who's going first, second, third, fourth? Exactly. So the, U, the U.S., but the U.S. can match how they want to. So Europe has no choice. No, that's what I'm saying. So the U.S. matches up their bottom four guys against Europe's top four. Right. And realistically, say you go by world golf ranking, Scotty Scheffler against John Rahm does not lose that much less than 50% of the time in match play. I mean, Rahm's the best player in the world, no doubt about it. But what, he wins seven out of ten times at most? No, yeah, I mean – the difference between Rom and Scheffler is people so may small. think it's more than it actually is. It's not that much. No, it's probably Rom probably went six out of every ten, even. Right. But yeah, the agree. difference between Burned Wiesberger and uh, DJ is probably a lot bigger. Yeah, I'd agree. I, uh, yeah, I, but I maybe agree. Comment it. Maybe they won't. Um, oh, Zach, why don't you, why don't you shoot uh, Steve Stricker an email? Yeah, <laughs> I was say, thinking say about brought it. To you, brought to you by yours truly. I was thinking of sending him an email. I uh, mean, just say, just say I'm a Canadian. I'm not even from your country. That's and, actually true. Yeah, you know. You'd probably appreciate it. A little food for thought. That stuff doesn't hurt. I'm going to consider it, Reed. Maybe we know someone. We probably know someone who has Steve Stricker's email. Absolutely. So, and I mean, a big part of who plays where on Sunday has to do with what's happened already, you know. Let's say for all intents and purposes, we are in a deadlock come Sunday. Um, I feel like that's the easiest way to, like, analyze yeah. what might happen. Um, I think the best strategy is usually you, you need to have someone who can finish – go last they might not be your best player going last but if it comes down to that last match you want <laughs> someone there who can who can gut it out but you got you probably front load um a handful of your better players in the beginning i'd almost like you put like i don't know your second best guy first and your i don't know fourth best guy last you kind of like stagger like go front and back and your weakness is right in the middle maybe but yeah like you go first and last 
yeah. I don't know though. It, it's a, it's not an exact science, and again, a lot of it comes down to where the points are at um, come Sunday. And what do you need? You need fourteen and a half to win the cup. Fourteen and a half. Yeah, I don't, I don't think there's any exact science to it. I mean, it's just kind of trying to feel it out as best you can. It's all, that's what golf is, though. I mean, you just like hitting a golf shot. It's just trying to guesstimate it and estimate it as best as you can. Yeah, so prediction, the U.S. side, like we said, seems more predictable somewhat what they're going to do, what the pairings are going to be. The European side seems like a complete crapshoot. Like, it seems to have come through the grapevine that maybe Terrell Hatton's going to be playing with one of the top three guys. So I would assume maybe that means that the other two in the top four are going to play together. Well, Terrell Hatton is the third best He's the third best ranked player on that team. No, that's what I'm saying. That it, it seems to have come through that he's going to play with either Hovland, Rory, or Rom. Hmm. Oh, really? One of the other yeah. three. But even that snow sure thing. What do you think Europe's going to do? Any idea? Oh, I guess I guess Hatton's the fourth best ranked player on that team. Pardon me. But yeah, I don't know. I, th- I think I think you see Weisberger with with one of the other younger guys, um, maybe like a Matt Fitzpatrick. Yeah, try to get that young team rolling. Yeah, I like that. I I like putting a guy like Sergio or Westwood with Rom, um, because you'll probably still win the point. And like, I don't know. It it just seems like you could get away with that almost. Um, if you put like Rom and Rory next to each like with each other, I don't. That seems just like so much firepower in one pairing that you're kind of you're wasting your top talent um but it'll be interesting to see i think for sure i mean a lot of these guys on the european side are kind of newer to Ryder cup play too there's not i don't know there's not as much experience as maybe there's been in the past i feel like so you look at the two teams though and they're two completely different teams like one is a big ball hitting, for the most part, um, team that's just a very good ball striking team. And then I think you have the typical Europeans who are just grinders. And that's why they find a way to win the Ryder Cup a lot. And I mean, you look at guys like, I mean, let's go to Shane Lowry. How Shane often, Lowry, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, fucking grinder, man. Doesn't care how it gets done. Doesn't care how the ball gets in the hole. He may hit it like shit someday, but he's going to find a way to shoot 70 or 72, you know? And then I think when it comes down to a team aspect, you want that on your team. And I think that's why they tend to do well in the Ryder Cup. Who's going to be Tommy Fleetwood's Francisco Molinari this year? <laughs> I, I feel like it could be maybe like a Victor Hovland or... I think, I think Shane Lowry. Yeah, I, I was going to say, or Shane Lowry. Like a, I love Shane Lowry. He, like, flies under the radar. I think everyone thinks, like, his Open Championship win was a bit, like, fluky. I don't think it was. He's just been, like, one of the better players in the world for the last three years. Yeah, I'll tell you what. My, my time on tour as well, he is one of the better dudes. I've eaten next to him several times, him and his caddy. He used to come into the, the caddy yard or the caddy room and he would eat with his, uh, his Irish caddy. Um, seems- Shane Lowry is a world-class dude, man. He just, like, kind of reminds me of, like, Mark Leishman. Like, they, they kind of, like, pop up at the Masters all the time, too. Like, yeah. Well, they have, they have games, and there, there are several players like that that play well at majors, and it's, a lot of it's because they have games that relate to major golf courses. They're big, high-hitting, long-ball hitters that can get away with missing a fairway here and there, you know, because they have nine iron instead of six iron or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I think there's some really good players here. I think it's going to be interesting. You mentioned Matthew Fitzpatrick before, who he's going to play with. I could see him playing with a guy like John Rahm, where they could really dominate together. Like, one, I'm John Rahm, it's like you could say, like, oh, like one guy's got the short game, but John Rahm has the short game. John Rahm also has the If it were me, I keep the, I keep the English together because the English seem to have so much fire in them that they Westwood kind of just, and Fleetwood? Well, Westwood, Westwood Casey, and Fleetwood, Casey and Fleetwood, Casey and Westwood, Poulter and Fitzpatrick, Poulter and Casey. Isn't Hatton? Poulter. 
Hatton's uh, English, yep. Yeah. Yeah, you got quite a bit of English guys on there. And, yeah, I think Casey's kind of flying under the radar. He had, like, seven top tens this year. Um, he's just – I don't know. He had, like, a resurgence. There was, like, a four-year window there where it was, like, what happened to Paul Casey? And then, like, the last year or two, he's just really come back yeah. on and just top ten all the time. he'll go with one of the top guys. That's what I would do. He's yeah. just so consistent. Yeah. Yeah, true. I, yeah, if I'm like, yeah, if I'm John Rom, I'm like, I want to be with like Paul Casey. That sounds yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or like, that's the problem. The U.S. It's just like all star power, all like birdie or double bogey on every single hole. The the European teams, I feel like, is a lot more consistency, a lot more grinding it out. But I don't know. There there doesn't seem to be as much like ability. Yeah, that's, like the, the bottom that's end like of the European. The- that's like the two sides of golf in general, though, because I mean, you get playing in 20-mile-an-hour winds and grow up playing in 20-mile-an-hour winds in Europe. You just want to make a bunch of pars and sprinkle in a couple birdies, you know? So that's kind of their game. Yeah, it's like, it's like the European team is like, we're going to make you win the hole. We're not going to lose a hole. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But I think the way it's set up, I think uh, the Americans, they set up the course, obviously. I think they're setting it up to their advantage where it's going to be long. It's going to be helping out these guys who bomb it. Everyone just talks about Bryson bombing it, but you got Finau bombing it. You got, uh, like, their whole team bombs it, basically. Yeah. I don't even know yeah. who's the shortest hitter on Team USA. Harris English, I guess. No, Harris fucking smokes it. Uh, yeah, but who, who hits it? Spieth? Probably Spieth. Probably Spieth is the shortest hitter, yeah. Just crazy to think, but, oh, well, so... Let's get on with it, though. I want to hear everyone's predictions before we close things out. Reed, I hope you got trivia, though. I'm just giving you that little warning. Oh, absolutely. If okay, wants to before we get there, let's give our predictions. Nolan, I'll start with you. Um, already. I can uh, – I can. you want me to give you a score? Score. Um, I think – well, I'm going to go with the U.S. I think we finally – Kind of get over the hump there. We just overpower them with talent for the first time in a while. And there's some just really great uh, performances by, I don't know, maybe it'll be like some of our, maybe Scotty Scheffler is going to go out there and go like 2-0-1 or something crazy like that. Or uh, I bet like Daniel Berger is going to come through big for sure. Like I got – I got high hopes for Daniel Berger. I don't know. He's just, like, seems like a guy that would thrive um, in this atmosphere, and he hasn't really got the chance yet. So that could be really cool moving forward if he becomes just, like, a U.S. Ryder Cup killer. Um, but I'm going to go 15-and-a-half to 12-and-a-half in the U.S. All right. I like it. Reed, what do you got? Well, I'm going to take a little bit of where they're playing into consideration, and that's in Sheboygan, Wisconsin, where the winds can blow, where it can get pretty dicey. Um, and you look at the European squad who grew up, a lot of them playing in the winds, playing in the high winds, as I've alluded to before. Um, I think this comes down to the last five or six matches of the um, on Sunday of the singles. Uh, and from a possible 28 points that are up for grabs, I'm going to say it comes down to the last five or six matches and the Europeans pull it out 14 and a half to 13 and a half. Dang, man. I'm going to be, I'm going to be a super bummed guy next week. If Europe. I I obviously don't want them to, but I just think where they're playing and, and the type of golf they're playing, just it, it, yeah, they're on American soil, yes, but they're not playing an American style golf course, if that makes sense. I totally agree with that statement. I don't think we talked about it maybe enough. They, like Zach was saying, they are probably trying to set it up more American style, but it, it's not It's not a classic. It is more a European style course. It's using slopes and massive greens and high winds and tall fescue and you know deep bunkers and 
that's what Paul Casey, Matt Fitzpatrick, Tommy Fleetwood, Shane Lowry, McElroy, Ian Poulter, Weisberger, Westwood, Hatton, they all grew up playing that, dude. If, you're, if we were playing at, say, Bethpage, I, I, I would give, you, I, I would give the, the U.S. side a 16 to 12 advantage. I totally but, agree, yeah. But, but it's just it's going to be tough to beat the European side in this atmosphere. Yeah. All right. On to my pick. I'm going to give you a little trivia to go with my pick. My score is going to be a repeat of the 2004 Ryder Cup. Does anyone know what the score was? Mm, no idea. We're going to see a dominant U.S. performance. I think the European team looks all nice here on paper. Everyone talks about how they do every single year. They always make it a run. I'm choking here. <coughs> Apologies. 18 and a half to nine and a half for Team USA. I think they're going to dominate from start to finish. I think they're just so much better than the European team. How Even how we mentioned how Scotty Scheffler, the worst ranked player, is not that much behind John Rahm, who's the best player in the world. So I think U.S. dominates start to finish. 18 and a half, nine and a half, bold prediction. I, I just looked that up, Zach. Big thing. Big hey, Zach. Factor. So, that's this, 29 that's 29 points homie oh <laughs> damn <laughs> what did i say 18 and a half to nine and a half yeah no that's good that's 28 that's 28 18 and a half to that's 28 yes you are correct yeah my, my math <laughs> hey that proves that proves the fact that i haven't been caddying in a while my math skills have gone down yeah, the, math is, the math is deteriorating that is deteriorating I was going to say the big, big factor. I thought, it was tw- I thought it was 29 for a second. Big factor of that Ryder Cup, it was at Oakland Hills Country Club, which yeah. is that classic U.S. course. Like, uh, like, I don't know who decides if it's some Ryder Cup committee, so it's both European and U.S. conglomerates deciding where they play, or if the U.S. gets to pick where they play their – I think when it's on your soil, you get to pick. But if I was the U.S., every time that we had a Ryder Cup, and I'm only saying this course because I've played it a bunch and I'm from the area, but there's a golf course in Seattle called Sahali. And it's, oh. not, long, it's not long enough for nowadays. Like, they'd have to lengthen and whatnot. But a, a style of course like that where they have 200-foot evergreens and it's, they actually call it Sahalway, I would give the U.S. a friggin' advantage, a massive advantage with this squad every single time. But they're just playing at a, at a, at a, at a more linksy style golf course that basically opens up possibilities to the European side. Yeah, and I don't blame them. I love whistling straights, and it's a sweet venue. But, it, you, I mean, whatever way you cut it, it's an advantage to the Europeans. They should have just done it at, like, where's the John Deere Classic? PBC <laughs> Deer Run. Why yeah, don't they do it like Sawgrass? That'd be badass. It'd be funnier if they just did it like some country club, like some like beach resort. Can you imagine the Ryder Cup at the Phoenix Open down at Earth? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, at, at TPC Wait. Scottsdale? Yeah. I would be sick. <laughs> yeah. But apparently is, the fans there... aren't going to get too close either, I've seen. Like uh, the way it's set up, the fans aren't really going to get all too close to the action. Oh, yeah, really? you'll, be able to, you'll be able to hear them at least. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's the that's the one advantage the U.S. does have is the home crowd for sure. Um, it's something something to be said there. Yeah. Well, with that, fellas, we made our picks. Me and Nolan are Team USA. Reed, Team Europe. This is really who would have guessed? I mean, if you're just betting on our us as a podcast, who would have picked who? I think they would not have picked this. Reed, you're a very American guy. You're very patriotic. But I mean, hey, I want them to win. I really do. I, I, I think they have the talent, too. I just think that uh, it, I think it's a closer match than people think it is. And I think when it comes down to it, the uh, style of golf course plays a difference. But, I mean, hell, I, I hope it's 28 nothing U.S. you got to put some do-re-mi down, make those odds. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, giving, I'm giving Europe a plus 120 here. Like it. Well, let's close things off. Nolan, I know you got a Tiger stat of the week, so we'll start with that, and then we'll close it off with some trivia. 
Yeah, um, not not a super interesting stat of the week. Um, I was just looking looking through Tiger Woods' Ryder Cup stuff, and then I saw the Sergio thing. This is his tenth Ryder Cup, and it's pretty remarkable in my mind. The only thing that's held Tiger Woods out of a Ryder Cup is injury. Um, he's played in he played in ninety seven, ninety nine. I mean, he was a rookie. And playing in the Ryder, rookie on the PGA Tour, playing on the Ryder Cup, uh, 2002, 2004, six, and then missed 2008. Played in 2010, 2012, and then missed 2014, 2016. Played in 2018, even after his comeback. So, um, I mean, the guy's crazy. Like this would be his, um, this would be his 12th Ryder Cup if he had played. If he had never really got hurt. That's two more than Sergio. So <laughs> crazy. That's uh, yeah, another absurd Tiger stat. Yeah. As always, Reed, what do you got for this week? Before we get to trivia, do you think if Tiger was healthy, he'd be on the Ryder Cup squad this year? No. Uh, you're gonna say no, Zach? No, because I think people. As much as everyone loves Tiger and everyone wants him there, there is something that, like, you got to pick somewhat based off merit. I think if he was playing well and he was, like, 30th in the world, then, yeah, he would. But if he's, like, 100th in the world and was, like, making half his cuts. So you're, you're Steve Stricker, one of, one of Tiger's good friends, and you have a guy who's the best player ever that can probably bring the team together better than anyone. I guess it depends. If it was right after the Masters, or even before then he was playing well, then 100% I would have had him on. But if it was right when he made his initial comeback and wasn't playing too great, I probably yeah. wouldn't have. Interesting. We'll never know, but uh, I, was, I was kind of thinking about that. I, uh, would, I would say, Zach, you're saying he might not be playing well enough. I would say a healthy Tiger is going to be playing well enough anyway. So... If it, if Tiger is healthy, that means he's he's top fifty in the world, and that's good enough, I think, to be put on the Ryder Cup if you're Tiger Woods. Guess that's probably <laughs> true. I might change my opinion actually. Tiger Woods, I probably would put him on. Oh, I'd put him on over Harris English. He wouldn't be too upset at Tiger Woods. <laughs> it's uh, understandable. All right, trivia, trivia of the week. Uh, they're in Sheboygan, Wisconsin. Uh, as I mentioned before, I have a couple friends who. Uh, caddy up there seasonally uh, at Whistling Straits. Um, but in the city of – or in the city, in the state of Wisconsin, uh, we all know it's the cheese state. How many varieties of cheese are made in Wisconsin? Open-ended question. Uh, Open-ended? 98. Give us a range. Is it between zero and 1,000? I can't do that, sir. I gotta make you guys look. I gotta make you guys look foolish. Gosh, ninety-eight seems like a a lot to be honest. Are you a big cheese guy, Nolan? I like cheese, man. I I like me some. I'm a big. You gotta get Tillamook if you're from from this oh, yeah. side of the, yeah. Oh yeah. Reed knows yeah. what's up. I mean, yeah. they make a good Bandon. Actually, Bandon has a brand of cheese that is actually really good too like it's it's basically tillamook um but if you go over to the east coast and you try to find some tillamook it's like triple the price that it is over here <laughs> yeah for sure yeah oh gosh okay um that's just seems like, way, your time. like i feel like reed's psyching me out and like <laughs> trying to get me to believe that it's way more than 90 something that zach said so I'm gonna go like, I mean, cause mm, I'm gonna go 48. That still seems like a ton. I, don't know. I thought it was 48. It was between 48 and 98. <laughs> well, Wisconsin is a cheese state. We're gonna look really dumb or like decently smart. And there's a lot of types of cheese. You know what I mean? A lot, of, a lot of, a lot of brands, a lot of types. Not feeling good. Let's just say you guys didn't even get a fifth or sorry, a sixth of the way there. There's 600 varieties of cheese that are made in Wisconsin. 
I can't that's, even imagine that. That's okay, crazy. the good thing is, I thought it was either going to be like 98 or like 16,000. <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't close no matter what. Yeah. 600, though. Can you believe that? 600 varieties of cheese? Well, I mean, dude, I could eat cheese fucking off the block. That's absurd. You could have a new, you could have a new variety of cheese like for two years. <laughs> Literally, almost two every, years. Every day, and like, <laughs> what a joy! Yeah, but fuck the blue cheese. I was just gonna ask, what's everyone's thoughts on blue cheese? I think it's fuck, gross. Fuck the blue cheese. It's um, and, and, and cottage cheese. Fuck cottage cheese. I like cottage cheese. I don't. I'm not down with cottage cheese. I am down with. If you get blue cheese on a burger, it can be good. Okay, last question of the podcast. What's the best type of cheese? No, no. Well, what, you know, certain circumstances, just hands down, what is the best type of cheese? Hands down, Tillamook cheddar. That's it. That's all I need for the rest of my life. Zach? Mm, Parmesan cheese. <laughs> wow. I'm going, uh, I'm going white cheddar. I like white cheddar. Wow sophisticated you would uh my wife loves the white cheddar too that's so. oh, white cheddar. hey yeah white cheddar is uh white cheddar is great that's you a classic there's well, a I mean, you could go like a little wine and cheese like like brie you like brie yeah i don't mind brie yeah. so I, went to, guy. I went to france and we tried like all these different cheeses it gets a little crazy man it's like i'm just too much yeah. <laughs> Give us the pizza cheese. Yeah, so but but that's the same thing as beer though. Look at all the different types of beer that Yeah, I agree. Just give me one beer. Just give me whatever. I hate oh, when no, I go. Fucking, let me try every one of them. People are not gonna like this. When I go and get drinks, I'm just like, just give me any beer. There's I, a, I, I can't tell the difference. There's a mac and cheese recipe in the, my family. I I would say my extended family. And we use uh, a sharp white cheddar. It's really good. If you guys, Nolan, have you ever had Beechers? Shout out, shout out Gabby Bean. Yeah, I uh, have had Beechers. Beechers is if, great. If anyone listening to the podcast ever goes to the Northwest, uh, and specifically Seattle, Beechers Cheese down on Pike Place, uh, they have a little thing that you can actually watch the cheese get spun and whatnot. That shit is incredible, dude. And they, they make a mac and cheese at the shop there that yeah. is a white cheddar mac and cheese, dude. Holy uh, fuck. I'll get the mac and cheese and a grilled cheese sandwich. <laughs> just be oh, like yeah. buried out for days. <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. It, it is fucking heaven. <laughs> All right, fellas. The cheese talk. Everyone listening, just comment. Comment Go on Packers, week, what? Your favorite, your favorite <laughs> cheese. But on behalf of us, from the Back Tees podcast, go Team USA, I guess, because – I'm go Canada. Maybe they'll put them in. Maybe if Europe dominates them, they'll be like, you know what? We got to add Canada to us. <laughs> North America yeah. versus. Yeah. <laughs> then get, we're get, in. You a little, get you a little Corey Connors and Mike Weir on that team. That's right. But on behalf of us, we'll see you guys next week on the From the Back Peace podcast for some more PJ Tour action. Thank you for listening to From the Back Tees. Toward the hole, and it's in with Bernie. We hope you enjoyed today's show. For more information and updates, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at From the Back Tees. I'm going to enjoy it for the rest of my life. See you next week. Be the ball, man.